certainly so glad to see you. What a, uh, a joy to be able to gather together in our Christmas service this afternoon. And uh, we have so much to celebrate, so much to be thankful for. So very glad you're here or joining us uh, online, live stream, or watching later. Welcome. So glad that you're here. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 61. It's in the program that you're holding. Uh, printed out as well be reading a few verses from there in just a few minutes but as I was preparing I thought as I start off with this message from Isaiah chapter 61 we have so much to celebrate uh, I also wanted to acknowledge this is a difficult Christmas it's a difficult challenging season it's hard there's a lot on our minds a lot on our hearts use this one It's a difficult year. It's a difficult season. And of course, the COVID numbers are peaking out and very high at this point, and so it's challenging. Now, I know several of you are facing actual trials in your life presently, whether you work in the uh, medical industry or how we doing? We're good? Can you hear me? Not yet. All right. I can just filibuster for a while. many of you are. You've got personal challenges. You've got people close to you that are struggling or might be sick. You've got real challenges in your life, but there's one thing I think common to all of us that we're all dealing with that's all a challenge, and it's news. We're, we're all experiencing a, a bit of weight, a bit of fatigue, because we take in news. We want to hear news. We want to know what's going on. So we listen to the news. I don't know how, what kind of news feed you have or where you get your news from, but we're all taking in bits and pieces of news in different ways. And yet we hear things, obviously, that are troubling. And the news tends to affect us. The news has a, an effect on our soul. And if we hear bad news, it, it tends to bring us down. We can't really avoid it. We don't want to avoid it. We want to be informed. And so we look to news and we ask for news and we seek it out and yet when we take in news have you experienced this it weighs your soul down a bit maybe you've tried this practice of saying i'm going to fast from news i'm going to take a break from taking in news i don't know if you've done this but if you have you've probably experienced something unique it actually works I mean, it's like Scrooge on Christmas morning. I feel light as a feather. You know, my, my soul is better. I feel less burdened. I feel less anxious. There's a, there's a, there's a freedom and there's, a, there's an, a lightness about it by not taking in. And yet we're drawn to it. We don't want to be uninformed. We need to be informed. And we're drawn back to taking in the news because there's risks in not knowing what's happening in the world. In our Christmas series, this is the third week, third in a series, entitled The Christmas Gift, Christmas Through Isaiah. And we've been trying to answer the question, what did God give us for Christmas? And we started with week one was a king, a king to reign. What, what did God give us for Christmas? He gave us a king to reign over us. And the point was, if we knew truly what kind of a king this was, we would do anything 
to simply be in his kingdom, in his reign. The, the joy of just being in his kingdom was a reward in and of itself and enough satisfaction for our soul. Secondly, a servant to help us. What did God give us for Christmas? He sent his servant, God, who took on humanity, not to be served, but to serve us as a ransom in our place. What a Christmas gift the Lord's given us. Today, God gave us a messenger with good news. He sent a messenger to bring good news to you, to me, to the entire world. Someone to bring us this good news and the news that God's rule is breaking in. It's happening. God's plan is beginning to enact and to take effect. His rule is breaking in. When the messenger shows up to declare the news, that's when things really begin to happen. This is how God begins his plan. He sends a messenger to declare, to proclaim. I come to bring you good news. And Isaiah chapter 61 is sort of a, a headline of this news. And so that's the passage that I want to look at. I'm going to just read the first three verses, but I asked them to print the entire chapter. I'd love for you to take some time and just read that entire chapter. But for us this morning, we're going to look at just the first three verses together. Isaiah chapter 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I just want to focus a little bit of time together with us this morning on those first three verses. And my first point is that this is the headline of the good news. Every good journalist knows how to create a good headline. How can you phrase something at the top of the page so succinctly and so appealing to sort of draw you into what this whole article is about? And Isaiah 61 functions like that. Now, in the news that we take in, sometimes the headlines are actually misleading or sometimes they come with a bit of a, an agenda. Sometimes they come with a sort of twist and a purpose, and, and, and sometimes they're misleading, and you read the headline and you read the article, and they're actually not the same thing. But when God gives a headline, it's true. It's a very succinct, good introduction, a good overview. This is what God's plan is all about. God gives a succinct, appealing statement of what he is all about. And then your Bible is about another 1,300 pages, which is the article, to fill it all out, to explain it all, to expound upon it, to tell you why it is, how it comes about, present, past, future, giving us the whole story. But the headline is this. This is what God came to do. I don't know what your first impression of Christianity was. I don't know what your first impression of Christ and 
God Christianity was. Maybe you were raised in a Christian home with parents who genuinely loved the Lord, and your first impression of Christianity was quite positive. Maybe you met somebody who claimed to be Christ, but whose life seemed to be a contradiction. And so your first impression of Christianity was maybe not so positive. Maybe you started off with a not-so-flattering image from the entertainment industry about what belonging to Christ actually means. Maybe you had a college professor that was condescending about the very existence of God. God would want Isaiah 61 to be your first impression of what he is all about. He wants this to be our starting point. I say that because in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus began his ministry, his first sermon, as far as we know, he walked into the synagogue, preached his first sermon, and here's how it went. This is Luke 4, 16. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He was that messenger. He was the one God sent to proclaim this good news. And he said, I want you to understand the program. I want you to understand what God is all about. I want you to understand all of what God is going to do. And I can sum it up in this short paragraph in a few sentences. Good news to the poor. Liberty to captives. Healing for the brokenhearted. If you're wondering what God is all about, start here. Here's your first impression. Here's the starting point. This is what God is doing. Of all the complexities beyond that, this is what God is up to. I hope you haven't forgotten that. I hope you know that. If you're hearing about Christianity for the first time or you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years, I hope you never forget this first impression, this headline, like this is really what God is all about. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and life is getting a little complicated and following the Lord is finding some challenges in your life and faith is ebbing and flowing and you're beginning to wonder, is God with me? Is God for me? What is going on? I want you to know this is the starting point. This is what God is up to. This is what God will always be up to. Good news to the poor. Healing for broken hearts, liberty to captives. So secondly, I want to look at those three points. The content of what this good news is. It's good news for the poor, okay? That word poor is not just talking about people that don't have quite enough money. The, the word could actually be translated afflicted or tormented, facing troubles that, are, that you are too weak to handle. It's a kind of an all-encompassing kind of a word. If you're really facing hardship and affliction and trouble in your life, God looks down and would say, poor. You're in the category of poor. There, there's trouble in your life. 
there's difficulty that is beyond yourself. And what Jesus is all about, what Christmas is all about, is good news being announced that help is on the way. Whatever your trouble is, whatever your affliction is, Jesus comes and says, I want you to know this is help coming to you. When God does his work, he begins with a proclamation. He begins with an announcement. And he sends someone on whom the spirit of the Lord is upon to pronounce help is on the way. This is like us watching the news and hearing vaccine is on the way. It's coming. It's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a, it's a, it's a ray of hope. It's been approved. It's on the plane. It's coming. Some people are getting some shots. It's happening. The, the solution, the help is coming. Doesn't mean we're out of the woods. Doesn't mean all the trouble is over. It means help is on the way. Help is being initiated. It's coming. And this is what Jesus was doing when he shows up. I want you to know I'm your help on the way. I'm here, and this is what I'm about doing. So this good news produces hope. It produces faith. What an amazing thing when we hear good news. I think you know what happens to your soul when you hear bad news and you feel kind of down, a little depressed. It's a little hard to, to see clearly with this. And here comes good news and it lifts your spirits and it encourages you, gives you faith and ability to endure. Isaiah 52, 7 says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. The one who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Secondly, Jesus said he's come to bind up the brokenhearted. This is the message. I come to bind up the brokenhearted. When you and I hear the word brokenhearted, we usually we kind of think of a romantic relationship that went south and there was a breakup. And I feel brokenhearted. She broke my heart. They left. There was a breakup. And so we talk about our hearts being broken. Well, it, it, it touches on it in the sense that what God is talking about here is a broken relationship, a relationship that has broken down and talking about that heart that has fallen out of relationship. You see, when God looks down and looks for the brokenhearted, he, he's not looking for jilted lovers. He looks for those with a broken relationship with him. Those that have fallen away, broken away through sin, a relationship with the Lord severed and separated because of his holiness. And he says, these broken hearts, these fractured hearts, these damaged goods because of sin and the breaking away, these are the broken hearts that I'm coming to bind up and to heal. Like a good doctor that can reset a fractured bone and cast it in a place, in just the right place, in order for it to mend and heal and grow and be useful again. The Lord comes, the messenger from God comes, and his atoning sacrifice bears our guilt. And his spirit regenerates our dead hearts. He gives to us repentance and faith so that we can turn and see and believe. And he gives us his spirit to live inside of us, to begin a new life recreated in the power of God. The brokenhearted is bound up and made new, bandaged up, healed, remedied. Our separation from God, he came to heal and mend that brokenheartedness. 
Thirdly, to set the captives free. The people that Isaiah was prophesying to, that he was talking to, the Israelites, oh, they knew captivity. They had a history of captivity, and they were facing yet another captivity just ahead of them. They had their 400-year history, captives in Egypt. And they were, through their sin, facing yet another exile, a captivity under Assyria. But they also discovered a new kind of captivity. Their journey through the wilderness and their life in the promised land only turned out to reveal that while they were not under some political captivity, they found there was a captivity holding them in their own hearts. That they were drawn with a kind of waywardness away from God, a pull to resist God, a pull to go their own way, and they kept falling into sin, falling into idolatry, drifting away from a walk of obedience to the Lord. And the Lord was showing them their hearts and it began to be revealed, oh, here's how we're really being held captive. And this is the captivity that God came to set us free. The most fundamental bondage that the Bible speaks to us about is our bondage to sin. When we talk about the freedom of the will, when we talk about true bondage, what the scripture comes around theologically to talk about is that the real bondage of a, of a human being is their, their bondage of rebellion towards God. Jesus said in John 8, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And in Romans 6, wonderful passage, verses 16 through 18, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. We deceive ourselves when we think we are gaining freedom by disconnecting ourselves from God himself. Thinking that somehow outside of his reign, not under his authority, is our place of freedom. We just deceive ourselves. That's where our bondage is. That's where we're captive to our hearts. It's only submitted to him, surrendered to him, coming near to him, when we come to him, that's how the captives are set free. That's how you and I are set free. The third point is the call. What is this good news? What is this message calling us to? What kind of response when, when Jesus comes and proclaims, I've come here, sent from the Father to proclaim good news, that you're going to be set free, that you're going to be healed. What is he calling us to? Why did God's plan involve a message and a messenger like this? What kind of response is he looking for? I don't know if the name Hiro Onada is familiar to you. If you're from the Philippines, uh, that name might be a very negative, painful name for you to hear. Onada was a Japanese soldier in World War II. He signed up when he was 20 years old and he was trained as an intelligence officer 
and trained in guerrilla warfare and soon deployed to an island in the Philippines. And he was using guerrilla warfare to work against the Filipinos and try to you know, gain intelligence and help win this war. Less than a year that Onada was stationed there, he happened in a little private raid come across a, a leaflet that said the war was over. He took the leaflet back to his few, uh, few guys that he was fighting with and they analyzed it and they discussed it and they, they wondered whether it could even be true and they decided there's no way this possibly, there's no way this could be true. They had no knowledge of atomic bombs being dropped so it was unfathomable that the war could be over so soon. They were convinced it was a ploy to, to sort of smoke them out and come out and surrender only to be captured or to be killed. Shortly after this, just a couple months after this, a Boeing B-7 flew over them dropping more leaflets with an, with an order to surrender from General Yamashita. Well, they read this, but they found the language a little suspicious. It implied that Japan had lost the war, which they simply couldn't believe would have happened. There's no way Japan would have surrendered. So they disbelieved those leaflets as well. Then delegates were sent through the jungles with loudspeakers declaring an end to the war. Eventually, everyone they saw when they would sneak out of the mountains and out of the jungles to, to do their uh, attacks, everybody was in civilian clothes. And they thought, well, this is kind of strange. But this, too, they were suspicious of. It's all a ploy. They're trying to trick us. They're trying to convince us that the war is over when it's really not. We're not going to fall for it. These men, one by one, eventually died, were killed, until Onada himself was the only one left. Folks, for 29 years, he survived in the mountains and the jungles of the Philippines, believing the war was still on. It wasn't until some young college student by the name of Suzuki put it on his bucket list, he's going to go into the jungles and find this guy which, surprisingly, he did. He found him, but he couldn't convince him to come out, so he went back to Japan, found Onada's commanding officer, asked him to come out of retirement, suit up, go there, and personally talk to him and tell him that the war was over, which is what ended up happening 29 years. All that time. I say this story is painful for Filipinos because some 30 people were killed, over 100 were injured because of the damage done after the war was over because this man simply would not believe the news. Several men wasted many years of their lives because they didn't believe the news. Other people lost their lives. Much damage was done because they didn't believe the news. I don't know what might be causing you to disbelieve Christ's good news. I hope nothing, because you will not find, first of all, you will not find better news, but you will not find a more reliable source for your news. And yet we hear the gospel 
we hear about Christ and we create all kinds of suspicions that maybe God isn't really for us. Maybe he's up to something different. Maybe he just wants to turn my life into some very, not very fun life, boring life. He's out to get me. But nothing could be further from the truth. This is what Christmas is all about. Bringing us the best news from the most reliable source. By not believing this news, like Onada, lots of wasted years, lots of tragedy, lots of heartache. Because when Christ came and revealed God's plan, it was good news for the poor, for the troubled, for the afflicted. It was healing for the broken hearted. It was liberty for the captives. Nothing other than that. That's what God is up to. That's what God's heart is for you and for me. Why would we not trust him? I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. So we're going to close with some celebration together and singing. It doesn't need to be like this because a king has come to reign. Whose kingdom is filled with blessing. Folks who have no reason to be suspicious of this wonderful king. He reigns in righteousness and he reigns for our good. He sent a servant who came, who gave himself up for us to give us the help that we needed the most. He was the only one that was able to provide that unique kind of need that would save our souls. And he sent a messenger to come to bring us good news. Good news for the poor, the troubled, the oppressed, the weak, healing for the brokenhearted, hearts that have been separated from the living God, able to be restored, liberty to the captives, set free not only from the penalty of sin, but also the power of sin that it holds over our lives. All for the grace of God. What a glorious message. What a glorious messenger. Let's stand together and let's sing.